Cool. Has everyone got a drink, a cup of tea, or whatever your drink of choice for this time of day? I have a cup of tea. Of Thank course, you. you have a cup Thank of tea. Thank you for asking. You always have a cup of tea. This is true, even though it's ridiculously hot today. It snowed last week. We got like four inches of snow, and now it's ridiculously hot and humid. It's awful. Ugh. But I'm still drinking hot tea. Damn it. <laughs> Of course you are. You will be drinking tea even when the sun explodes, I think. Cool. I think we should be good to start. Okay. This is where the awkward silences start, just not waiting for the, 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 the uh, countdown bit. But um, So yeah, we thought we'd jump on this evening, or today, um, just to do a bit of a, a wrap-up of Series 4 um, of Motherhood. Um, which was quite fun to make. It was, um, it was a bit of a departure from our previous series of God and War. Um, we kind of pivoted a little bit, and it was definitely more queen centric this time. I think um, in a in a much more traditional way. But I quite liked it. Um, yes, no, it it was. I think it was good because, like, with the God and War series, we do the the pol it, The truth is that the politics happens in the male-centric parts of court and it's not to say that the women aren't involved but they're not as actively involved so we did have to cover a lot more of the sort of male-dominated world of politics in that series so it was nice to then go completely into just women's history like full-on um just kind of getting back to i think what we originally wanted to do when we started doing this yeah, and I know we we say it all the time. We always have a have a checklist of the things that we want to talk about, and this is definitely high up on our checklist. So, in a weird way, I I think it's felt like the right the right time to do this series because um, we couldn't do it without you know the, the other bits um, without doing the scene setting of you know the Reformation yeah. and, and everything else. So, yeah, this is this is the perfect time, and it and it was a lot of fun actually. It seemed to, in a weird way, it felt like it went on for quite a while, but at the same time, it was really enjoyable. Yeah, well, we had we had a lot of different topics, which which helped. It wasn't kind of rehashing the same thing every week. Hi, Lucy. No. <laughs> There's definitely some, um, and I think even though we took it out of the center of you know courtly politics and away from that to like you were just saying the the polit the, the the male centric politics and the war doing it was still in some instances quite violent um and quite um traumatic with some of the things we were talking yeah. about yeah yeah definitely had to put up a lot of content warnings um but yeah i mean you you i remember when we were first planning it and we were saying you know when we were planning episodes like the child bearing episode we were thinking is that going to be too much like people listen to this to kind of get information yes but as entertainment so is that going to just be way too much and potentially traumatic for any of our listeners and we thought potentially but it's necessary to yeah. like to understand what these women actually did experience and because two of our queens did die from complications of their childbirth which is absolutely the you know the statistic of the day for women um we couldn't get away from it i think we we had to go there so hopefully we did it in a way that wasn't too i don't know evocative you know like hopefully it wasn't too bad but yeah. still kind of made you realize just the the danger of it 
to. Yeah, hopefully no one's morning commutes was scarred by their uh, their listening to it. If that's how you uh, you listen to a podcast or right. you know that, that's why I listen to a lot of mine um, first thing in the morning or something. So yeah, hope hopefully um, it was still informative. And I know when we were um, recording it we were very mindful of the way that we phrased things yeah um but we we didn't suffer this is how you know we've grown <laughs> because we didn't have to record it like three times <laughs> or um keep just saying the same things over and over again until you know oh okay that way sounded the best use that one <laughs> how was that one to edit <laughs> um actually that one was fine it was just long um because we ended up we we had a lot of information in there i think so there were a couple ones this season that um, we were packing so much information into one episode that they did run a little long. So from an editing standpoint, it wasn't necessarily like it wasn't bad content to edit. It wasn't a matter of what do I cut? Yeah. We've just had a few more people join us. We've got Strax Stevenson. Hello. Hi, Rini. Um, also, Renee. if any of you have had a oh, Rini, Renee, sorry if I just said your name wrong. I think it's Renee. Um, if any of you have any questions or comments about this season or anything that you want to know um, feel free to pop them into the comment section and we will get to them throughout the, uh, this live we did get a few uh, over the week so thank you for those who um, submitted them early hopefully um, you'll be able to listen on the rewatch and we'll get to your question in a bit Nice. So we we would um just while we were talking about what should you cover for this life, because sometimes it can be a bit of you don't want to come with nothing prepared to say, because otherwise you just sit here in silence, don't you? Um but I mean, we, we, can, talk- we can come up with stuff to say, but whether or not it's interesting to you is the thing. Oh yeah, that that is the difference. <laughs> While we're on the subject, why don't you want to build the Lord of the Rings Lego with me? No, I'm joking. That is that is a topic for a different day oh, between us. Um, <laughs> but we were talking about things that you know that we maybe covered in this series um, a little bit, or you know things that we we didn't get quite time to cover all of it. So um, I, we we were having a chat just now and was saying about you know the difference between that we found between doing this series uh, with popular culture and the reality that our queens face because a lot of the time it is quite different even yeah. though I, I think a, a lot of the time it is different to, to make you know the drama while you're watching something right. but we'll, we'll, I, we'll I tell think, the people why you came up with this topic uh, to discuss <laughs> upsettingly it has nothing to do with henry the seventh but um <laughs> No, um, so I bet I've I've restarted watching the Tudors again because you know it's January, the weather's a bit rubbish. You need some, you need some comfort TV, some trashy TV to watch. So I've just restarted watching the Tudors um, at a timely point, I think, because um, it ties in with our motherhood series. So who would have thought my uh, wasted evenings would be of use for for something? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things I noticed was. The representations of motherhood were quite interesting and are very different to what we've been discussing so i know for the just for instance the last episode of this whole series or the um special that we did on um betty blount um and her son henry fitzroy and um, we mentioned that he didn't die until he was about 17 years old 
within the Tudor series, uh, the, the dramatization, the Tudors, um, he was a baby when he died, um, which I thought was super, super interesting because I suppose a bit like the narrative that we've been discussing, it was a bit of a case of, okay, well, we've got this baby. We've included him with, you know, this illegitimate child within this narrative. Okay, now what do we do with him? Because, you know, he was, he was never going to be a central character anyway, but just bubbling away in the background. So they, um, they had him die just not long after he was born and represented Betty as this just completely miserable person, which I thought was super, super interesting. Yeah. I mean, just because, I mean, it's nothing that I don't expect from this show, but it's a complete departure. Yeah. Um, and see, I haven't seen much of it and um what i have seen is mostly like youtube clips of like specific things that i've heard people talk about so i don't know if i'm in a position to criticize it having not having seen it however um i get the sense from the show that the writers do a lot of work to make things less confusing you know like henry's sisters are combined into one character um and there's just a lot of storylines that are condensed to make them easier to follow along with. And that seems like a casualty maybe of that kind of writing style is um, like you said, it's kind of a superfluous character in the sense that he's there and he's in the background, but is he changing the game? Not really. Uh, I mean, like, even if you think he's Hilary Mantel features Henry Fitzroy in the Thomas Cromwell books, but he's cut from yeah. the show um so it's just it's like another example of i think probably just the writers thinking we already have like 17 people named henry we maybe don't need another one um <laughs> oh, just shit, to like, make it easier yeah and to be fair i i'm not gonna be under any illusion one does not watch the tudors for historical no. accuracy no but i just thought it was interesting it was sort of a bit like you know when we watched um the private life of henry the eighth there was a little there, there was those few nods for the history nerds yeah. in there and they were just like yeah we've done it yeah they'll be happy with this we've put this in there and then almost like we've done our part he, he, he can go he can go now we have no further use for him for this narrative and i mean it makes sense but i just yeah it was interesting mm -hmm. the other thing i thought was interesting because i have lots of questions and comments about this um this show um is the way that they depicted Mary being taken to Ludlow. This was really interesting when you were just telling me this. Yeah, so um, it was almost seen as, um, it was quite violent in a sense, the way that um, Catherine of Aragon is depicted as, you know, you're taking my daughter away from me, why must you separate her from me? Um, rather than it being seen as the opportunity for Mary to set up her own court and kind of start acting in that capacity of Princess of Wales like we discussed in one of the main episodes of this series so and I mean far, far be it for me to say you know not having your child with you is is uh, not traumatic I'd imagine it is but it was just quite interesting that that's the part they decided to focus mm -hmm. on not that Mary, Mary was starting to be seen as taking on her natural role. Yeah and uh interesting that they didn't go with that just because I think that's a super interesting kind of part of Catherine's later queenship is her in her mind it's a very easy solution to the problem of there's no clear air it's well yes there is there's my daughter and here's how we're gonna make it yep. work and duh um 
to me, that's like a really, that's a really cool and interesting thing that uh, more people now I think are starting to talk about. It would have been cool if they had picked up on that too, but it's an old, it's an older show too. So, uh, you know, yeah. they're not necessarily picking up on the same threads of scholarship that we are, you know, what, oh. 15 years later. So, uh, we'll, okay, well, that makes me feel old. So um, thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, but it's, uh, topics in history do kind of like there are um flavors of the month if you know what i mean you know, like people are get really into this one part of somebody's personality and then they drop it for the next thing and like things like this are in we're into it now but maybe not 15 years ago yeah but i if it's i mean if you're looking for something to watch again whilst you wait for that weather to warm up um and you're looking for something just just light-hearted Tudor adjacent show I'd, I'd recommend the Tudors just because mm. it's one of those shows that you can kind of enjoy and suspend your disbelief with but it's just, yeah it's comforting I don't know comforting is not the right word yeah. it's enjoyable yeah I don't I don't know if that's convinced to me but no. I'm happy for everyone who who does partake um yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, that is fine if i've not sold you with the henry cavillers charles brandon by this point i don't think i ever will i mean i can there are many options for me to indulge in henry cavill <laughs> so i'll be okay <laughs> i don't think he's going anywhere anytime so i hope not no he is not. Um, um, but no, i did because that's not something we really had much time to talk about in in our main episode so um i was just again whilst i've been re-watching things and just thought, thought that was an interesting point to kick off with really yeah it um so it goes along with a question that we got we that was submitted this week through our instagram page um somebody wants us to speak more about the separation of catherine of aragon and mary and how it affected them which um i know we talked about in the show but in terms of i guess this was such a huge moment, especially in Mary's life. Um, I guess worth reiterating just how yeah traumatic uh, that that yep. was for both of them. So, I mean, like you were saying, in the Tudors, they do pick up on that sort of the emotional strain of it. Um, it's not the details aren't correct because Mary is being sent to Ludlow, but um, yes, no, this this did happen. This uh, Mary and Catherine were separated as almost a punishment for um, not cooperating more as a punishment for Catherine and then as Mary um jumped on board the train it was also a punishment for her but this was something that went on for years um I mean they were separated I can't remember with a year off the top of my head unfortunately but for five years that sounds right four years yeah yeah um and once they were taken away they never saw each other again you know we we know from an earlier series that Catherine passed away at um Kim Bolton which is uh much farther north of London so Mary did not get to see her and then Mary of course was put into the household of Elizabeth um not as a servant uh but as part of the household so yeah they were they were kept away and yeah, I mean, there's no other way to say uh, how, how. No, it's not. It's traumatic. How traumatic that was. Yeah, and I think it. it we, I think we spoke about this before, but I think it um, heavily contributed to Mary's um, loyalty to her mother. Yes. Yeah, because that was, you know, do it. That was a way of keeping her close to her, and 
a way of kind of if they couldn't be together in person then she she was damn well sure she was going to do the utmost to be you know the quote-unquote best daughter she could be yeah well well and two like if if mary um was sort of passive before this traumatic event will make her suddenly feel passionately about something that something being um her mother's position so like at first i think it was henry trying to punish Catherine and like what's something I can do like a form of torture I guess of yeah something I can do to make her give into what I want oh I'll separate her from the thing she loves most in the world perfect and so it was I think originally supposed to be for Catherine but then as Mary started to become more defiant it also did the trick with her too no absolutely oh we just had a few more people join us we've got fed well 1485 i enjoy that 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 handle a lot um and the tudor dynasty um 88 so hello hello um but yeah i i suppose though in a strange way it's also sort of typical for royal upbringings as well because they they weren't necessarily expect it's typical and not typical isn't it because they they weren't royal children weren't brought up in you know around their parents they did have their own households and things like that but i think the way in which mary it, uh, it happened to mary and to catherine is there was a there was a point to make and like you said it was a, as a punishment yeah so um yeah so uh i'm not really i guess that's as much as we can really elaborate on it i suppose um and i mean in the episode we covered too that like retroactively i think it made mary even more determined to honor catherine's memory um especially where it concerns their final resting places and you know it's sad that, that those her wishes there weren't honored um you know it's just it as much as i love elizabeth the first you know she's one of my history <laughs> favorites um i can't go to her tomb without being like okay but there should be a plaque here for for mary and mary shouldn't even be yeah. here mary should be in this this lovely tomb that she envisioned <laughs> for her and her mother because at least if they were kept apart in life they should be together in death and uh yeah that just it's it's sad there's really no other yeah. way to no and if there's ever two people that are fated to be miserable they be made miserable by henry the eighth it is mary and Catherine yeah I mean and a lot of other people as well but you know it all started with them mm -hmm. oh we've just, just got Maggie joining us and I'm gonna say this wrong I'm really sorry Alwaysy Ali Ali Swayze that would be the better way to say that thank you very much it has been a long <laughs> day <laughs> I'm sorry Ali if that's um, correct but yeah, I think um, that is, yeah, like you said, that is pretty much all we can really say without on them. I, it's it's upsetting that we don't have more to go on because they just weren't allowed to communicate or or you know be near each other. But and um, the thing about this period too, where it concerns Catherine and Mary is that our our biggest source for it is um all of the like spanish imperial continental like 
um, chain of communication that's going on. So like Shepui, uh, Yustas Shepui, who's the Imperial Ambassador in London, has several people who he's writing letters to, who then write letters to their friends, who then write letters to their friends. And then the Emperor uh, Charles V, uh, King of Spain slash Holy Roman Emperor, will get back to him. Um, so there's like this whole chain of people who are loyal to Catherine and Mary, and it's almost a game of telephone of uh, Chapuis is not to be trusted a lot of the time anyway, but then it gets filtered down through all of these people. And you have to kind of understand that they almost want the situation to be as bad as possible. Uh, I mean, they don't because they don't want Catherine to be in the situation at all, but like just to kind of spur people into action. Um, I think Chapuis uses a lot of hyperbole uh, to make it seem like Catherine's situation is as worse as possible to try to get people to react to it. Um, so we're reading it and we're thinking, God, this is horrible. But um, we we just have to keep in mind that it might not totally be accurate. If anybody could create a melodrama out of thin air, apart from Shakespeare, <laughs> it is Chapuis. Well, it's like it's hard because you read it and you're like there's some grain of truth in here like this started somewhere it's just hard to tell where you just have um to get you have to get through all the i don't know he he did fall uh, uh times it feels like he swallowed a thesaurus to get his point yeah uh, and uh it's sort of like i mean just thinking is sort of a, a modern comparison for us it's like when you don't like somebody and then nothing they can do is ever good. And then you're telling the story to someone else and they're like, that, that, sounds, that sounds perfectly legitimate to me. Like maybe you have a coworker or something who you just don't like. So everything that they try to do is just wrong. And But you're telling it to somebody else and they're like, chill. That's just, you just don't like them. Um, that's kind of like how you have to read Shepley a lot of the time, especially where it concerns Anne Boleyn. Um, it's very much that I'm about to cause a scene. I'll text you later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But then you're rehashing it to somebody else and you can see that they're like, I'm not sure what the problem is. And you're like, yeah, right. I'm overreacting. Um, <laughs> but it's just so like m most of what we know, besides the bare facts of like Catherine and Mary were separated, the details of it um, are from that network, like Chapuis and all of his kind of associates, especially on the continent. So um, you, you do kind of have to realize that they're, trying to exacerbate the situation as much as possible in order to get Catherine out of it um, to get people kind of off their butts and moving so how much of it is 100% accurate probably I mean like I said there's probably some truth in it but um, we, we just don't know that's the infuriating thing about uh, historical sources <laughs> especially then when they're written from a point of a uh... A, a point of contention yes yes people are taking very firm sides in this fight oh, oh yeah there is no middle ground here nope or if there is um you're not going to be on it for very long nope in the words of cersei lannister to when you like play the game of thrones you either win or you die mm. how true moving on <laughs> well is that going to be our our, our uh our bed of reference for this like it was Downton Abbey but now we're shifting to the Game of Thrones extended universe well yes yeah I, I think that because I feel 
like another one that we could make in terms of um like we were talking about earlier with representations of motherhood and potentially like childbearing in period pieces in pop culture we were talking about um right before this right before we got on is you finally started watching house of the dragon yeah i've been busy which for those who i've been busy (laughs) for those who don't know is a spin-off prequel of the main game of thrones show and in the first episode um the queen um i mean I, i would say spoiler but it came out like over a year ago so just sorry um but there's a very, very graphic and traumatic scene of um, the queen giving birth to a child unsuccessfully. Um, and it ends up they, they perform an emergency C-section while she's still alive. And, you know, the king has to make the decision to save the child at the, at the cost of the mother. And it's this very, very harrowing scene. So it's not something that I don't, I don't think I would rewatch it anytime soon. No, no, it wasn't. Um, yeah but at the same time after doing this series and then talking about just like motherhood more in general and trying to be very frank about the horror of childbearing for so many women um i liked that they included it just because it's like in so many period dramas you hear like the the loud groans of you know a woman in labor and then it's almost like from the men's perspective of like there's pacing out in the hallway and then magically we cut to the woman's in bed with the baby and like there's blood on the sheets but she's fine um and while that did did happen that was a reality for many women it also was not a reality for many women so I liked that the show took the risk of showing just how horrifying this process was especially if it wasn't going well yeah well horrifying is the right word but i think it goes back to an earlier conversation that we were having um in in one of the series about uh, one of the series no try again (laughs) one of the episodes in this series that we were having about medical procedures and almost medical intervention and um i suppose the way that we we now look at we kind of look retrospectively at what was happening and, and and the knowledge that people were applying to these situations and we're thinking my god that's awful and it's almost like have a tendency to sort of look down on them willingly or not knowingly or not um but i found yeah. that sort of things like quite i found that fascinating for this series actually um just learning about the medical stuff mm-hmm. um and um how how much of a uniquely female space childbirth was yes yeah yeah but i just Sorry, that was a lot of rambling <laughs> that's why we're here today um i just feel like the you the the medical stuff and the the worst case scenarios you don't ever get to see in drama um which is weird to me because like period dramas let's be real the primary audience is is women so you would think that they would want to experience such a female representation on the screen you know of like what life was was like i mean i can't tell you how many questions i get when i'm just talking in general about like my work as a historian and what i read about um i think we're all women here so but sorry if this is tmi um, or people who menstruate. Um, I always am asked practical things like, 
how did women deal with their reproductive health, you know, like their periods and menopause and childbearing included in that because it's such a like universal facet of life. You yeah. know, it's something that we do that everyone there then did too. So seeing um I think such a harrowing representation, it was it was difficult for a lot of people I know. But um I'm glad that they included it because it's like it, it it happened um and it was it was horrifying and it wasn't all it didn't always go well and i mean yeah two of our queens uh succumbed to it which uh, like remember in um becoming elizabeth when oh, Catherine I... parr had her child and everything yeah. everything was green and go and like there were whole scenes you know, of like uh, Thomas Seymour going to court and celebrating and being all happy and everything. And then he comes home and it's like, oh, by the way, your wife died while you were out. Um, and I just, I hated that because I just thought like, Catherine's been such a, a character, like a huge character in the show. We all know her as one of these queens. Like she's so ingrained in the sort of popular culture now. Um, and yet, her death is just sort of like a oh by the way she died in childbirth and moving on um and you you don't you don't get to see you don't get to see the reality which even if we don't get to see it in as much detail as like um in in house of the dragon at least talk about it you know yeah but i think that's also quite interesting too because it's almost like you said it's just kind of skirted around so I wonder how much of that is because, again, it was a show about Elizabeth and in a weird way you had to kind of, not in a weird way, but Catherine Parr's narrative had to be followed up to the end. But then it was almost a case of, okay, we're done with her now. Yeah. So, and, I mean, we, we have many comments and questions about that series too, and we do have a special on that. So if you've missed it, go and have a listen. Yeah, we had feelings, but... Um... We had feelings, many big feelings. <laughs> But no, it just, it infuriated me because you did get a very touching scene of um, Thomas Seymour and his brother Edward talking about how it is such a mysterious world to them, the world of childbearing and how everything seemed to be going okay until it wasn't going okay, which is completely a thing that happened as, you know, we know from like Jane Seymour, for instance. And they actually, they bring that up. They talk, they compare it to um, when their sister Jane also died after giving birth to Edward. So um, I like that because it does, again, show you that this is a very female world. And for men, it's very, um, it's over there. We don't go near it. It's very mysterious. We don't want to know, but it impacts everybody's lives. Yeah. But that being said, I would have liked maybe for there to be more from Catherine's perspective of like what she was going through, especially because we know from the history that that was, um, you know, she was suffering a fever and she, she wasn't like completely in her right mind. So it must have been a really scary time for her. Yeah. And that, that was, because um, I know we, we touched on that this series as well, didn't we? Um, yes. That was super interesting, the, the way that um, reading about her, her her last few days and her last few hours and just kind of, it was it was quite upset upsetting in in a lot of ways, but it was interesting because again, I think outside of that set narrative that we often talk about, it's not really discussed that much. And I think it's really nice where now Catherine Parr is becoming a lot more of a um a a, a person 
sort of interest to look um, to kind of um, look at and to investigate in her own right that we are getting more of that from her yes. now. But I, yeah. again, I think I think that the lens in which, like you just said, watching becoming Elizabeth, the way that the male lens that is used to experience that is quite is. I, I still have what is what I'm trying yeah, to say. <laughs> I, I liked, I liked parts of it were effective, but um, the whole thing as a whole was meh. Um, yeah. We had yeah, feelings just, about it. Just a, a, a very roundabout way to say that I'm very glad now um, that we seem in period drama, there seems to be um, more attention paid to just how complicated this process this was and like illustrating more effectively I think the experiences of women going through it maybe because of shows like um Call the Midwife you know oh, I love that show. yeah I mean I I fell off after it started getting into like season 17 but like um the early <laughs> versions I did watch very religiously and that was I think broke, broke down a lot of barriers of like what can we talk about on tv like yeah. You know, yeah. we, we used to not be able to talk about our own reproductive systems on TV, but now we can. So hopefully that'll continue into period drama because I like that. I like being able to see that aspect, that very real haunting aspect of women's lives. Oh, oh there are some haunting episodes of that as well. So oh yeah, well, we, we've just had a few more people join us too. We've got Mad Nikki, History Quiz Guy and Tudor's Mania. Hello. Hello. Um, before we uh, move on from Catherine Parvo, I do want to bring in one of the questions we got this week, which is one that uh, I realized, yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about, it, so we should talk about it now. Uh, what happened to Catherine Parr's daughter? Uh, we mentioned her being Ooh. born in the childbirth episode, but we never followed up on her. Um, so let's do that now. I'll let you do that because you seem very excited about that. Tell the people what you well, know. Well, it's not, I, I don't want to be excited about it because it's not a very nice story. Um, yeah, well, the reason we didn't talk about it was because it's not a lot to talk about. Um, so yes, Catherine Parr, when she was, what, 36 years old, she was in her fourth marriage to Thomas Seymour. She became pregnant and it was a very kind of surprise thing because she was very much considered an older mother at 36 um, and she had never been pregnant before as far as we know so everyone was kind of like I think a little bit nervous for this pregnancy but it seemed to go well um, personal drama notwithstanding and um, when she delivered her her daughter who she named Mary um, things seemed to be going well until we know that she developed a fever and then um, she passed away from the fever probably whatever caused the fever um but after that there's not a lot that we know about mary seymour we know that mary um tudor like you know Catherine's stepdaughter mary was the godmother and probably the namesake of the child we know that thomas seymour did sort of make arrangements arrangements for her to be taken care of um at their at their home but then she just kind of falls out of the record. Um, so the inference is that she probably died young. Um, and that's really, that's really all there is, unfortunately. She, there's, just, there's literally nothing about her in the record other than she was born and she existed for a time. 
I wonder if she didn't die, and this is me just thinking, I wonder if it's a Bessie Blount situation that where she stopped being relevant after Catherine died, we just don't know anything about her, if she was to have survived. I don't know. I think I think dying is more plausible, but I just I just I think there would at least be some reference to her marriage, um, maybe. Or um if I don't even if she went into a convent, you know. Um That so. is a very good point, actually. I take back my my kind of postulating about her because yeah, I, I thought about this. Missed for a second. <laughs> I thought about this. Don't don't think that I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that is the historical fiction we need to write um so the assumption for many people um you know i've I've read a lot, lot of different articles about this it's like a big one of the big tutor mysteries but the conclusion is that like you know people like linda porter and elizabeth norton and allison weir and tracy borman have come to is that um she she did actually probably die in the nursery before she had time to like, like kind of move on to a bigger household that was a good question. No, thank you. Yes. Yeah, no, that's a, it's hard because there are little things like that, that upon listening back to our episodes, which I do occasionally, um, I think, oh yeah, we should have covered that. And we should have mentioned that, but there's just not enough. Like, it's not enough to merit an entire episode, but it's also a little bit too much to just kind of flippantly put into an episode. So I guess. Yeah. There's a lot of research that we have, isn't there, that we, we are like, oh, that's super interesting. Let's try and get it in there. And then we finish our conversation and we can't, and we can't quite get it in there. It just didn't make sense. Yeah. And our, our conversations end up taking on a flow. So then you don't want to like necessarily shoehorn anything in there. But this is actually, you know, a, an episode like this where we're just kind of chatting about these topics is a good kind of, um, I don't know, it, it catches stuff that might have escaped in the in the main episodes so yeah thank you for submitting those questions because that is something that is of interest yes absolutely um should we answer another question sure ask me one ask from this you. google doc that we have <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're not that good we don't remember them all off the top of our head as much as we would love to um oh that's a nice one when henry aged did he give up the idea of having more kids the short answer no no um no i like this one because <laughs> this goes into a little bit more of the kind of um myth busting is i see all the time that um especially where concerns catherine parr because she's considered for some reason she's considered like the oldest one when she's she's not she was probably about the same age that Anne Boleyn was um, when, when Henry married her. So she's not. But she's gone down in history as kind of like the, the last one. So she's the nursemaid. She's older and more mature. She's like the mother, which, yeah. But also she was young enough to still bear children, as we, we know from the fact that she conceived a child later. Um, so no, Henry was still interested in potentially having another child. Um, and Anne of Cleves and Catherine Howard, too, were uh, very young. So the idea was that they were still kind of in their fertile years. I hate talking about women like this. Um, their fertile years. And, um, <laughs> Something quite creepy about it. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, because I think... It's clinical. Yes. Um, one thing that we probably, you do remember, because we hit you over the head with it, but a thing you have to remember is 
that Henry was himself the spare, um, his brother Arthur having died. So he was keenly aware of the fact that just having Edward was not enough. It wasn't like Edward was born and like, okay, great, we can all just chill now. Um, he was very much interested in having a Duke of York. The, the more sons we can have in reserve, the better for whatever tragedy may befall. So, um, yeah, the idea in choosing Anne of Cleves, especially because there were so many considerations that went into her, um, you know, being selected, was that she was young and she was of fertile stock again, sorry. Um, and she would be, she was a prime age for childbearing and we will, we will get more children. And I, in fact, I think in the kind of uh, the literature that surrounds her annulment, there's somebody's deposition. I can't remember who off the top of my head does say there's some comment that her ladies were making about like, whatever was happening between Anne and Henry was like, quote, not conducive to bearing a Duke of York. So it was on the mind that, um, yeah. you know, TikTok, we, we want to, we want to spare. Yeah, and I think, oh, do you know what I can do now? What, what can Talk you legitimately about Henry the Seventh without oh. people getting mad at me? Oh, goody. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I said that just as we had a few more people join. Hi, Linda. We've got the Catherine Parr Society and Emily. Hello. Um, so, yeah, so I think Henry, it wasn't lost on Henry that the, the Tudor dynasty was still very, very young. You know, he was only the second Tudor king coming off the back of Henry the Seventh. So like you just said, um it was um it wasn't just the fact of having a Duke of York, but they needed more, you know, at more more spares than they knew what to do with. So um and that's my point. Um that's all I wanted to talk about really. I'll let you carry on with your point. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a good one. Thank you very much. Um I just <laughs> I've called the socks on that you gave me actually. They gave me inspiration. Oh yeah my Christmas present to Callie this year was a pair of designer Henry the Seventh socks. But yeah, um, it's no, you're, you know, but it's a, it's a point well made that, um, yeah, for those who just joined, the original question that we've been yammering on about is um, whether or not the expectation for children extended to the last three. Uh, you know, we know that Catherine of Aragon and Anne Boleyn and Jane Seymour bore the king's children, but there seems to be kind of a common misconception that as he aged and he became more infirm and possibly impotent, according to some accounts, um, the expectation for children was not as not there as much, especially for Catherine Parr, um, who it just it's, it's the narrative around her seems to be more that like she was just there to be a companion and whatever, but like no, like there people were interested in having more heirs just in case um to your point the tudor dynasty is young henry is a direct result of what happens when your older brother randomly and tragically dies um edward himself you know dies when he's 15 um you know he's not another myth that is um you hear a lot is that he was sickly he was not but he did get sick um and he died when he was 15 so it would have been nice to have Duke of York in in that moment. Although, you know, I, I don't mind what we got, Mary and Elizabeth, but still. <laughs> and I think um 
Sorry, they just got a question from uh, Emily saying, is the uh, is the name Arthur Curse? We've got Arthur, Brittany and Prince Arthur. I just think it's a really bad timing of the name, if I'm honest. But um, yeah, who knows? Well, it's sort, of, it's sort of um it's sort of setting i mean in the case of prince arthur it's sort of setting you up for failure oh. because oh, yeah. um henry the seventh and elizabeth of york named him that because they wanted to pretend that he was like the reincarnation of king arthur uh you know the welsh king come again to have the round table so when you put that much expectation on your kid um i just feel like there's not going to be anything good that comes out of it no, no, no. If you're going to be live up to be the once and future king, um, maybe give it to them as a middle name and, and hope for the best. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think as well, in terms of Henry VIII um, want, slowing down as he got older um, and wanting less children, I think, I think realistically the, the, the reverse is true. I think the older he got, the more desperate he sort of oh, became and the more aware of his... Of, for as much as he and his daughter Elizabeth like to admit, um, wouldn't admit that they are um, were aging. Um, they they were they, they were conscious of that fact and the fact that he wasn't leaving much behind. Yeah. Well, a really great example of this is um, I cannot remember years or dates right now for the life of me. So feel free to go to Wikipedia and, and correct me if I'm wrong. However, um, so in at the end of his reign, um, Henry puts out another succession act, which reinstates his daughters, Mary and Elizabeth, to the succession. It doesn't make them legitimate, interesting enough, but it does say that they have the legal right to inherit the throne, which we know that they do. So it was a good thing he did it. But I think that's kind of Henry throwing in the towel a bit. That's well in. That's well into his marriage with Catherine Parr. I think he probably realizes that his health is failing, and this is as good as we're going to get. So let's go ahead and make provisions now to make sure that everything goes smoothly. And only then does he admit that Mary and Elizabeth might have to be backup plans, like in the eleventh hour. Yeah, I mean, he, he, it's almost like uh, we've got them, so we might as well use them. Yeah, just to just to be clear, we can do it, but uh, I'll be dead, so I don't have to see stick around and see how it goes. One dot Sam join and Ari. Hello, hello. What did we? I think we fully answered the. Uh, I think our our answer to the aging Henry question. Yes. Oh, oh, actually, okay. So one thing that kind of makes me think of um, as the season was airing, I was getting a lot of really good feedback from people like. I know in real life, um, saying how much they enjoyed all the topics we chose to cover. And I had a really kind of in the weeds discussion with somebody who's not into Tudor history whatsoever, but was really into our discussion of um, potentially like, as she put it, what was wrong with Henry? And then specifically in brackets, <laughs> and specifically in brackets put impotency question mark. <laughs> Um, I just think she could have just left it as what was wrong with Henry. Well, I mean, you have to be more specific, but yes, no, she was. And I just think, you know, we, that's something that we got in the weeds. Search for the, I think it was the getting pregnant episode, right? Um, Was we talked about the idea of like, there have been a lot of ideas floated that Henry himself suffered from a lot of infertility issues. And maybe that was a reason why um, the Queens also struggled to conceive or um you know uh, give birth to healthy living children 
Yeah, he wouldn't have been a fan of a uh, modern science, I don't well, think. In a... <laughs> yeah, well, no, because then, too, the other thing that we know from modern science is that um, it, it's his job to determine what, what you're going to get in terms of the sex. So uh, we can take that blame off of the queens. Yeah, we'll just blame it on Leviticus. Don't you worry. <laughs> we'll find a way. There's something <laughs> in here. <laughs> we'll blame it on the Bible. Um, what was I going to say? Sorry. Um, something in yeah, origin, I'm sure. Something always. Um, no, I don't know. It's really, it's really gone. Um, oh, uh, here, I'll, I'll poke your brain a little bit. Remember the, um, remember the article that one of us found in to the other one about whether or not Henry I can't remember I can't remember anything today I can't remember what the specific disease is but there is a condition that they were speculating Henry might have had that impacted I don't know medical terms and I don't want to be gross but like the um I don't know how well his sperm how strong it was his his potency. Sure, that was the word I was trying to avoid. But sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it like so. Their point was, I think that Henry could get women pregnant, but they couldn't necessarily like it wasn't it, compatible um, with like their wombs after like maybe the first pregnancy, um, because you know he like a lot. A lot of first pregnancies were successful um, amongst the women who gave him children, but then thereafter there were a lot of stillbirths, a lot of miscarriages, and yes, it's normal for those to happen, especially during these unhygienic times, but there were a lot of them. I mean, Catherine of Aragon went through, what, at least seven pregnancies, and there were only two children born living. So that's, that's not not a great track record so it does beg the question of whether or not there was something wrong with Henry and I think that might be an interesting theory of course we'll never know but it's kind of fun to talk about it is fun to talk about I think I know the article you mean I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but I think I have it somewhere it's, it's so a, what I, our, I, it's I, in our text history somewhere from months can ago take it out, um, and we can always share a link for it because it does make for some quite interesting reading um but also as well i mean there's loads of other theories about henry um syphilis you know, is a really syphilis, syphilis is the big one um Which, probably not i feel like we can firmly debunk that yeah i d who knows at this point um but i think i think it is fairly um that one we can fairly confidently chuck in the bin but yeah syphilis was one um i think there was you know it blamed it on his leg ulcers and stuff because he was in so much pain well but there does seem to be the implication in his later life from like courtiers that um because he was in so much pain and because his health wasn't 100 percent that he did have a harder time um that's all i'll say <laughs> um <laughs> so like that might be the reason why like uh, there, from all the writings um, was that he was very physically attracted to Catherine Howard but um, even in what the year or so of marriage that um, there were there were no children or pregnancies reported much to people's surprise so it's kind of given way I think to the the stories of I mean with the, even in the court there are whisperings of like is it is it a problem you know is it does, is he having some which he he might have. I mean, it makes sense. 
And I mean, I, I suppose it seems weird to be like, for, maybe for us that they were so invested in his performance. But when you've got, we're hitting like, I don't really know how to... we're hitting all the euphemism checkboxes here. We are here the rest of the week. Well, the rest of the evening. Um, but no, I think where people were potentially, um, it's not uncommon if there were performance based issues, um, that it would be a subject of conversation because it's putting the, the kind of stability of the country in, in, in peril. Really. Really. Yeah. And again, having this come back up, come, coming off the back right, in recent history of the Civil War, that's not going to be, far, you know, over dynastic claims and things like that. That's not going to be far away from people's minds. Yeah, no, it's a political issue. So um, that's it, it sounds super invasive for even us to be doing it, but it is it was a political issue for them. So, um yeah. Yeah, it's just nice every once in a while to be able to do it to Henry and not to one of the queens, because yeah. usually it's um it's all the courtiers are whispering about, like, what's wrong with the woman? Um, you know, what's yeah. what's taking her so long? Or, like, why can't she hold a child in the case of, like, Catherine of Aragon? Or, um, of course, Anne Boleyn's, you know, fate really being sealed because she had um, at least two documented miscarriages. So, um, yeah, it's just nice to be able to kind of flip the coin a little bit and be like it wasn't didn't have to be the women's fault it could have been henry's it could have been and i think after about four or five wives you do have to start asking that yourself that question don't well, you well i think you calculated the statistic which i'm very proud that you you calculated a statistic first of all but you calculated that um there was like he had a very low quote success rate oh when it, it came... wasn't me i can't actually take the credit for that it was in that same article about um oh, okay well, the, 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 the sperm rate article of Henry VIII. That's not yes. a sentence I thought we'd ever say on the internet. But here we are. Here we are. Um, but yeah, but I mean, you have to think that all of these women suffering all of these pregnancy losses, which again, it's not uncommon now. It wasn't uncommon then, and especially not then with everything that could go wrong. Um, but still, there, there were a lot of them. Yeah. And you have to wonder. Yeah, that was one conversation that I really did um, enjoy this season, was just kind of speculating about the medical side of stuff, because that's always fun. Yeah, I will say I just really enjoyed the question, what is wrong with Henry? Well, yeah, there's that too, and we don't have time for that. That's, we have a whole show, that's basically, that's the premise of it. Yeah, that is our show. If you're unfamiliar with that, hello, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we do here. <laughs> um, and it too, it leads us on to um, one of the other things we thought would be fun to kind of recap is that we did talk about it in the show but we'll say it again here um one of the things that was really important to us going into this was we knew that we were going to be doing a lot of early modern medical stuff so not the sort of retroactive diag uh, diagnosing of henry's sperm problem but um actual like what they thought of as as medicine um and like especially in terms of the childbirth episode um, talking about like what exactly was going on in these women's bodies that ultimately killed them. What were the exact dangers, etc. And it was always very important to us that we talk about it respectfully yeah. because it's one of my, my pet peeves is when you see very like clickbaity articles about like 
15 wacky things that people believed in the medieval period. And you're like, okay, but they, it wasn't completely unfounded most of the time. Um, it was, they were working with the information that they had. So we can't judge them for it. No. And it, it plays into that idea that modernization equals better. Yeah. Which, not always. It's, yeah, that's not, not a good thing. No, we don't have time for that right now either. But um, <laughs> um, somewhere, our history professors, like undergrads, ears just perked up. <laughs> like, ooh, they they learned something. They finally are they talk talking, talking about it. <laughs> but I, yeah, it's um, I suppose in a, in, in a similar sort of way that people like, the, there's the assumption that now we're better connected, where like and globalization is a new thing, whereas when it's really not. Um, again, I could have got points on that a few years ago. Anyway, um, but no, you, you, you raise a valid point that we wanted to do this the right way. We wanted to speak about people and their knowledge in the right way and give it the respect that it deserves. That just because we don't understand it or it seems a bit odd to us doesn't mean it wasn't right for them. Mm -hmm. And especially where concerns women's health. Like, yeah, if there's so many women I know today who have a hard time going to the doctor and having their issues be taken seriously. It's still a problem in 2024, but can you imagine how bad it was in the 1520s and 30s and 40s? Like there was nothing really well known about anything about women's bodies, much less the reproductive systems, which is so bizarre because it's like governments fell because of women's reproductive systems as we see with the tutors right so um it's just it's just amazing to me when you read these especially like medical works written by men who have no idea how any of this works so a lot of the time it's down to women midwives or like um you know people who have gone through the experience of childbirth themselves or have seen it happen um just using their experience and a lot of the time, it's not grounded in anything medical. It's just practical experience. And however weird some of the stuff they did might seem to us, you can't knock it because it's what they had. And yeah, it's just that, that, that irritates me so much when you see stuff like that. It's like, there's no reason for us to be judging them for any yeah. of this. This is what, this is what they had to go on. And some of it makes sense. It's like I'm not saying maybe yeah. the execution is was you know the the execution was necessarily right or the result was right, but you know things like the lying in period. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh, um. After giving birth, um. To to rest and to heal and things like that. And and I think I know we we spoke about this um during our conception episode that we were reading some of the medical books and they were entertaining not because you know it was a point of making fun of them or anything but it was just some of the things that i suppose even now people say um will help you conceive children um sitting there thinking yeah. pardon yeah um Oh, there was that French textbook, wasn't there? I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend, if any of you ever have time and want something new to read, go and read 16th century book, uh, French medical books on child conceiving. <laughs> they, they are interesting, and um, I enjoyed them immensely. Mm -hmm. They are interesting. 
yeah <laughs> that stuff i find it easier to make fun of because you can tell it's like men giving each other tips of like hey if you want to conceive a boy this is totally what you should do um and there's there's no grounds for any of it really no. but the stuff that i do find interesting is the stuff that we i guess have versions of even today both because it works or because it gives comfort and therefore it works um i mean something as simple as like um when a woman is first starting her labor you might put her in a bath um and now of course you know we have water births um because it's it's relaxing and it's if you're going if you're about to endure in like in jane seymour's case two days of pain let's try to find anything to bring you some relief some comfort relax you in any way so there's in all of this stuff as amusing as a lot of it may seem there is some bit of logic especially where yeah. concerns like i said the the midwives who were suggesting these things through practical experience um and then there are just some things quite honestly that you can't make fun of because they just would have been horrific like i won't go into details now um but some of the things that they did like if the pregnancy if the delivery wasn't going well and the child wasn't coming um some of the things that they did to try to get the the baby to move on or come on was a uh, horrific we we can't make fun of that oh no no that no 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 <laughs> um absolutely not no but i think the ideas of comfort though is is always interesting because we we read a lot about these in, in preparation for the, the the childbirth episode of um women uh going on pilgrimages and um praying for you know intercession from saints that um as well as um having relics near them now again i suppose that there is a that i i think with that the people want to kind of now judge them like oh why do you need a relic for that's not going to do anything but it bought them comfort yeah. um at a very scary point um of their yeah. lives um huh. and whether or not it actually did anything but that that kind of having that pseudo effect of that tangible object that you can kind of rely on mm -hmm. well especially listen i i've not done any of this stuff like so i'm not one to comment but i'd imagine you you want anything that comforting around you that you can have especially if you know in the back of your head or maybe in the front depending on how much pain you're experiencing that this might be it that you might not come out on the other side of this alive like it, it's not just like i'm gonna wear like my most comfiest sweatshirt and um you know have my teddy bear with me or something it is like i'm trying to find personal solace and come to terms with the fact that i might not survive this yeah and i think that's a really real reality that we have to be mindful of whilst looking at the 16th century it is it was dangerous oh god yeah i mean it's still dangerous even now but it's you know we we have different ways of understanding medicine that um and medications and things like that to be able to help people through it rather than not yeah or well, especially especially when the statistic and the the sort of rate of mortality is so ubiquitous across all classes of women um like i think a lot of people might have been surprised that the statistic that I think it's like one in five women didn't survive childbirth. Um, 
it absolutely extends to noble houses as much as to um, working class people, to farmers and laborers in the city and everything. I think because you think of, uh, you know, poor people, people of the lower economic status, I think you think of as being like somehow not as hygienic as the upper classes, but it, the process is just as dangerous for everybody across the spectrum. There's there's no really remedy for it. So yeah, our two of our queens, two of the six dying as a result of childbirth is absolutely the same as it would be for anyone in the early modern period. Just kind of a harrowing thought. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, I think if I'm going to be completely honest, I'd still rather be a, a, a royal or aristocratic woman in this period, you know, with, in a palace and um, giving maybe, birth. Than yeah, maybe, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and you'd, you'd have more comforts at your disposal, surely. But yeah, yeah maybe. I don't know. I think there are cases to be made for both sides of it. But because um, I mean, if, if you're in a in an area maybe where like there's a little bit more freedom you know you haven't been locked up in a dark room for three months um, <laughs> in, in your confinement um, you know it might be a, a bit healthier and you might have more people around you who know what they're doing this is true on uh, next week's episode we will be discussing no joking um <laughs> and yeah sometimes i do kind of feel the guilt of the fact that we talk about very kind of inherently privileged people on our podcast. Um, we talk about people in huge positions of power and we are interested in them, I think, because of the fact that we know more about them, like as people, um, because they're documented. But it is kind of fun to bring in the the wider social history, like what else was going on besides, <laughs> within, besides within the walls of Hampton Court, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, like you said, it's easier to talk about people where they're documented and you have more information to go on because, like we've been saying, you know, we, we've had odds and ends in this series that we wanted to be able to talk about but couldn't um, because we just didn't have enough information. Um, so it's always, it is nice when we can bring in other people outside of the aristocratic circle as much as we love it. Mm -hmm. Oh, jeez. Okay, I'll get to that in a second. Oh, oh, this is for you. I thought it said Henry VIII. That's for you, that question. I don't have time for this right now. <laughs> so, um, is it Maggie? Maggie, it asked, is, yeah. Maggie asked Callie what her favorite achievement of Henry VII was, and I thought it said Henry VIII, and I was like, I'm just talking about how I'm, I was so glad not to talk about him <laughs> for a whole season. <laughs> oh, so oh, that is... In in a hundred words or less, what is your favorite achievement of Henry the Seventh? I think I know, but let's see if I'm right. So I think for me, it's the centralization of yep. government. There we go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> because she likes the boring things. No, <laughs> it's just but, so important that he stabilized the realm after civil war. Listen. Yes, sir. It is, and it was. And I'm, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I've heard this TED talk before. Yes. She has. No, it's a, it was a centralization of government for for me for, from from Henry the Seventh, um, and the stability that he was able to bring. Um, whilst, um, but he didn't just do it for. Um, he didn't just kind of impose a rule. He made sure to bring the upper kind of the 
aristocracy and um, kind of court together as well to ensure that it had a trickle down effect. Thanks for, for coming to my TED talk on Henry the Seventh. For somebody who doesn't really like numbers, you're you're very into a numbers guy. I am. Opposites attract. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about your financial system. <laughs> Ingenious. Well, I mean, to be fair, Henry VIII wouldn't have been half as interesting sans all of his wives that we've been talking about if Henry VII didn't leave him such a big and impressive treasury to be able to go off and do fun things like go to war with the French um, and terrorise lots of people. It's true. All right. I think uh, we've wrapped up everything that we kind of want to say. So if anyone has any last minute questions, you want to maybe give it a few more minutes for people to kind of get in any last thoughts. Um, it doesn't have to be a question either. If there's just something that you wanted to comment on that you liked about the series or wanted to hear more about, that is fine. Um, so we'll just, I guess, keep an eye on well, we do actually, your questions. Oh, we, oh, what? we do actually have one last question that was submitted. And I think this is a nice wrap up question. Oh, yes. Go, well, for, go for that. I missed sorry, that Everyone else has a, a think of their questions or comments. Um, can what can we expect? Oh, no, I'm going to learn how to read. And I'm going to read that again. Okay. Can we expect anything new from the Six Queens podcast in 2024? Can we, Kate? Well, yes. We don't know what it is yet. We can expect it. Is that that's correct? <laughs> I my internet went a bit funny there. I'm not sure if it went funny oh, for okay. anyone else, but I did not I hear you what really you just said. Sorry. I thought you were really quiet because I answered the question wrong. Um, I said that yes, you can but um, we don't exactly know what it is yet. Uh, we are kind of still workshopping ideas for series five. Because um, as you know, because you're here, every series that we do has a theme that links all the episodes together. So we have several ideas um, for future series themes, but trying to choose one that we like the best is always difficult. So we're still kind of in that stage. Yeah, it's choosing one that we like the best and also choosing one that we can get down into roughly eight to ten episodes. This is also the challenge. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've narrowed it down. I'm not going to say them just in case um, we end up thinking of something better and then we, I don't want to disappoint anybody. But I think that we've narrowed it down to kind of like two options and the one that we don't do now, the, we'll just we'll do after. I'm excited for both, so. Yeah, I mean, I think in our heart of hearts, we know which of the ones we're going to choose. It's just like we have to give the other one a fair fight. <laughs> I've got my favourite, that is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and no, it's not a series on Margaret Beaufort. Um, so she yeah. tried. Uh, I did try. <laughs> um, yeah, but should I? I potentially pose the question to people that I asked you right before we started. Two seconds, you absolutely can, but we just had a very lovely oh. comment. Okay, please read that first. Thank you for humanizing the queens and showing us that they're more than just the wives of Henry VIII. You are very welcome. That yes, is what we're here to do. That is literally why we are here. Um, because I think it still happens. Like there's so much really, really interesting research going on with um, so many historians who I greatly admire, but I think we still kind of fall into the trap of just kind of using, like everyone to kind of, especially in the UK knows who they are. So you can use them as kind of a selling point 
you know, the six wives, like an event about just the six wives. And um, it, it's nice to be able to kind of spend more time with them than just the usual, like, one episode per queen, try to fit their entire lives and legacies into one episode. But also, too, the thing that drives me bananas is when they're pitted against each other. Oh, my goodness. Yes, we've had this conversation many a times. There's many a thing like that. It really irritates me, and it still happens. It happens with people who I'm like, your work is so good, and it's so humanizing. Why are you doing this? Like, you'll go to an event, and it'll be like one historian speaks about like one one queen, and they go down the line, and then they're like, vote for your favorite. And I'm like, why? Why? What? Like, I know. I know. I know everyone because people are interested in who they're interested in. I know people declare loyalties for one. And like feel a certain like resonance in their character or whatever, but like that shouldn't be an excuse to declare that like you like them at the expense of another one. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, that really irritates me. No, and I think as well with history, it's such a nice way to be able, like history is such a cool space to be able to create a community and to have open dialogue. And I think sometimes that gets lost for the sake of rivalry to create interest yes and yeah and And i mean there's so much good work that is done about like finding the commonalities between them and whatever but even then it's always reduced to very kind of like shallow things i suppose like they both liked fashion and you're like okay great but um (laughs) you know who were they as people um you know why why were they in the positions that they were and how might they have related to their each other's experiences and how did one's experience inform the other ones and there's so many different connections that we can really chew on and i think the great thing about how somehow i don't know how we figured out to do it this way but it was genius um doing the thematic approach and so we can really devote a lot of time into looking at all of them instead of just kind of like going down the lineup over and over of like you know Here's how Catherine of Aragon was a mom. Here's how Anne Boleyn was a mom. Here's how Jane Seymour was a mom. It's boring as well, isn't it? It, it's, it gets, yeah. If you're like us, and which you probably are, and um, you, you spend a lot of time listening to, you know, tutor-related podcasts, lectures, or like reading books or whatever, this is a tried and true format of let's go down the line yeah. and talk about them individually. And so it, it's nice to be able to like spend more time on them, talk about them in ways that are broader um yeah so I think that's what I I don't know yeah it's a case of I think like you we made the podcast that I think we always wanted to find like if if we weren't making this podcast we would be huge fans of this podcast not to tune our own horns but there we are Um, wait we think we've done no joking um no (laughs) well it was when we were creating it weren't we we were looking at a way to we were look we because we're devourers of podcasts and just history anyway looking at formats that worked for other podcasts to tell stories and that's all effectively that we are doing here we are telling stories so it was a way of thinking okay well we listen to one where they deal with it separately or you know they just do certain things or they're more of a branching overview of just you know the Tudor period as a whole so where can we where do we fit into this 
and we like you said we we made the podcast we wanted to listen to but also we made made it make sense for us because just doing it like when we I remember when we originally thought about doing it thematically our question was how is this going to work how is this going to be sustainable and actually turned out to you know we're on series four and we've got a I'd say easily another 10 seasons left in us um just I based on ideas so oh yeah the first time we sat down with this idea of like let's focus on the queens let's do it on them how and we started thinking of themes I think we came up with like 20 of them oh yeah easily so and I and I mean a lot of them could be combined afterwards and a lot of them were like yeah it's not gonna happen but like it's easy you know when you start to think about like what questions do you have about these women they fall tend to fall into categories don't they and so it kind of just very naturally unfolded yeah and I think some there are some series where it's more heavily focused on some people rather than other people or we will have set episodes where it will only be focused on maybe one or two queens but it's never at the expense of the others because it's just for that particular point it makes sense to potentially showcase one or two of them where we've got the most evidence or where they themselves fit into the narrative where others don't at that point yes well and it's too it's the difference between treating them as like almost just characters yeah and then people who actually lived and you know were were human beings i think a lot of people because of pop culture and it being so accessible now um tend to think of a lot of these women especially as characters you know they don't necessarily yeah. see Anne Boleyn they see Natalie Dormer um which i think is it's a huge hurdle for us to jump over but hopefully we are hoping that a little bit you know what do we know about these people actually and what is just kind of supposition and what are some preconceived notions i think that we need to get over all of that stuff so yeah that's our our, our creed i suppose <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully it's working um like i said if there are any series that you're interested in and want us to have a look at feel free to let us know yeah um i kind of like it i kind of like the the idea like I know that we have our front runner for a theme for the next series and I don't know how much public opinion can sway this because this is not a democracy however um it, <laughs> it would be cool it's not a democracy well, as I just we, as we just spoke about creating community well it's a show about queens so you know come on um <laughs> but I, I I think it would be interesting to maybe put maybe like a poll in our Instagram stories just to see maybe like what people would be more interested in. I think you'll all have a hard time too, but um, it would just be interesting. We may not adhere to the final decision, but uh, I don't know. It just, it makes me think of like what, you know, especially after motherhoods, people seem to be really into this series. So what are, what are you interested in hearing about next? I would love to know need some serious persuading if this does not go my way <laughs> <laughs> no pressure i'm joking um <laughs> but also to that end for in terms of um us stealing all of your ideas people um shall i share a little bit of our like real life personal news yes do i'm so excited so this is very exciting do you want a um, drum roll, drum roll. Cool. Um, I 
am going to be going to visit Callie in March. So in yeah. in a little over a month now, I guess like yeah, like five weeks, six weeks. Um, so we're really excited because we actually haven't like I talk to you every day, so it doesn't feel like we've been apart, but we've actually been apart since before COVID. Um, I in September of 2019, my friend. Wow. So um, that's a long time. And so this is going to be really fun. Uh, get to go back, be reunited with London, um, get to see some stuff that I've been wanting to see for a while, like exhibits and stuff. And we were thinking how cool would it be while we are together, which never happens. It never um, happens. Those flights are expensive. Yes, they are. But like that we've never done the podcast like physically together no. we've only ever done the podcast over the internet so um we are trying to think of things to do um while like what what's a fun thing we could do that might be different while that we could only do if we were in the same room like hovering over the same microphone probably <laughs> um, yeah so if, any, yeah if you, any places you want us to visit right. or right that you'd like to us to talk about whilst we're together let us know like i was i was really trying to think of like what could possibly be different in terms of like what could we only do that you know while we're while we're together and i'm having a hard time other than like site visits which we we are planning a couple hopefully they work but we are planning a couple potentially really cool site visits so yeah, we could do a take along like we did when well, it right. wasn't really a take along, but when we went to Heaver Castle or um, some other exhibitions. So yeah, yeah. So let us know if you have any ideas. Uh, um, everybody, even people listening uh, on the rewatch, if you have any ideas, please let us know. Um, you can always to like comment on our stuff, send us uh, DMs on Instagram or any of the socials. Um, if you want to hear more from us so please encourage you to do that uh we've been this series i think like, we got a real lot of really nice messages from people just even saying like how much they liked listening to us um which was really nice it's always really nice to hear from you all and just some interesting questions to like following up on some things we talked about so please never hesitate to reach out to us Indeed. Speaking of socials and reaching out to us, we are, well, you found us. We're on Instagram. Hello. Um, we are on X, parentheses, formerly known as Twitter. Please just call it Twitter. <laughs> well, that is not how I get the emails from them. But yeah, we're on Twitter. And also, if you've not found it yet, we do have a Facebook page as well, all under Six Queens Pod, right? I said that I did that right, yes. right? I've got the perfect so yeah feel free to find us on any of those as well and we will be happy to pick up yeah we are the most any... we are the most active on instagram though so yeah. um definitely if you are here this is the place to be uh but yeah, yeah we... if you're if you're on any of the other ones you'll get updates and stuff yeah. too so we're, we're not worked out how to do a multi multi-social media live yet we'll get there <laughs> no it would be fun that is a 20 yeah. that is a 2024 project so many so many but yeah um so it's weird wrapping these up yeah because i never you know no one's uh i think we're good with um there haven't been any 
a sort of last minute questions. So I think we are, are okay to wrap this up potentially. Anything, yeah. is there anything that you wanted to talk about and get off your chest or? Me? No, I've mentioned Henry VII a few That's times. Sure. Your, the people's bingo cards are, are full now. They are. Um, but no, I suppose really just a massive thank you. I think, you know, this, this has been the series where a lot of you have found us. Yes. Um, and, um, things are, you know, picking up a little bit for us in terms of social media and stuff. So I uh, just want to say a massive thank you for that. Also, if you know seven other people that are interested in <laughs> 16th century queenship to get help get us to our first thousand followers on Instagram, you very much appreciated. We had, um, someone find us this evening so thank you very much for that um yeah. but yeah um I, uh, it always feels a bit gushy to do stuff like this doesn't it but just a massive massive thank you for you know even if, if you've listened to a few episodes and you're enjoying it you've just found us or you've been with us because we bullied you into it or because you found us um on purpose since day one um just a massive thank you um for, for being here and so we're not talking to ourselves on the internet yes um which yes. i you know like the first but series one especially and i think even maybe into for, for me at least i don't know about you even into series two and three sometimes it was like is i knew there were people out there but now it just feels like there's there's definitely more people out there yeah no, no. and uh, i actually it's embarrassing now to, to go back and listen to some of our first episodes oh, just because there is that kind of, um, I mean, we're, we're, we are getting into it. You know, we were uh, new podcasters just kind of getting the hang of things, but I think now there is the sense of um, people are listening. So we have to make sure that, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but we have to get our dates, right. We have to make sure everything's organized for you all. We have to make sure that we are covering all of the stuff that we know that you want to hear so i think um you all just being out there has improved our quality immensely so yeah again uh gushy but thank you all for just sticking with us really um this is something that you know you you and i do for fun um because we're just as nerdy as the rest of you yeah. so so it's nice to just be able to like I, one of the comments that i think is my favorite to get that we've um so graciously had a few times is so many people tell us that it's like they have become our friend like they're just like in a conversation oh, with us nice. like like that yeah yeah like we're just um you know we're just sitting around having this conversation uh which is if, if you knew us in real life this is also what we would do <laughs> um uh we would just be talking about this stuff so it's it's so nice to know that like yeah i guess it just it feels like we're part of a community now and uh we're just talking to you all and not you know giving you lectures or anything we're just we're just chatting about people that we all find mutually interesting so uh yeah no that that's my favorite comment that we get is I like that. the few times that we've received that it always makes me feel very happy i think my my favorite one i think there was one it was along the lines of it's not, not a, it's not a direct quote but it sounds like <laughs> if you were to sit over here to history teachers having brunch somewhere, this is what I oh, think. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a, 
Um, that was a, we were on this, like, um, I guess it was like a list of like, if you're into the crown or something, like here's some other like yeah. royal history podcast or something. And we were on there, which was really cool. But they had, the, the review was like, if you've ever wanted to know what it's like to go to brunch with chatty historians, and we're like, okay, like, I don't <laughs> know. I, I think it was meant as a good thing. But it was sort of like a, uh, okay. I appreciate the sentiment. Because if you like I said, knew us in real life, there's a really good chance that this is just what we would be talking about. And you would be sitting with us and rolling your eyes and thinking, how can I get them off of this subject? <laughs> <laughs> what else interests them? <laughs> because there is a reason why, for instance, I know exactly what achievement of Henry VII is Callie's favorite. It's because we have talked about it before, probably in a pub or at the expense of something that our friends wanted to talk about. So um, yeah, no, it's, so I like that kind of informal aspect that we managed to get. And I'm glad that everyone seems to resonate with it so much because there's a really good chance that if you're listening to us and you too have or want to have nerdy conversations about the Queens that you would fit right in with us. So you're our friends too. Indeed. I feel like that's a nice place to leave that. Oh yeah. Maybe all mushy. All mushy. <laughs> so um, you think, well, yeah, last call for any comments for all of you guys who stuck with us till the end, but otherwise, uh, I think maybe in a couple minutes we should uh, call this yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, if there aren't any more in a couple of minutes, hope you all have a lovely, lovely weekend. Um, keep an eye out for series five or teasers for series five because they will be coming in due course. I'm we're not going to commit to a date because no, you life to... happens, but they will be coming. So keep an eye on your Instagrams and make sure you've hit that follow button if you've not already. Yep, and uh, I know many of you already have done this, so thank you. But um, I know we say it at the end of every episode, and I'm sorry. But um, wherever you listen to us, whether it's um, Spotify or Apple or Google or whatever, if you would take the time to give us a rating, give us a review, it does help us. Um, it helps us get into more people's algorithms uh, the more that they know that we are seen. So um, just, you know, if you take that few seconds to give us a star rating, maybe leave us a review. It's so appreciated and it really does make a big difference. So please consider doing that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, thank you everyone who does follow us and who has already done that it, it is really nice of you and yeah. i think the crowds the crowd seems to be quiet so uh... <laughs> well we will leave it there for now but um yeah that's it um thank you all for joining us for this near two oh my goodness near two hours um, <laughs> and um we will see you all hopefully very very soon yes until then uh thank you all for doing some motherhood with us. It was fun. We learned a lot um, and hope to see you next series.